Good morning. Are you enjoying the summer weekend? I tell you, if you have the chance, um, get on the SkyTrain, uh, drive down to the, the, the beach. Uh, my wife and I went uh, last evening to uh, English Bay and just went, went for a walk, and uh, um, it was magical. And uh, God laid out this beautiful display, a sunset and the, the whole deal. It was fantastic. So, and if you want to people watch, you can do that as well. There's some interesting people down there. So, including us. I'm sure people were watching us. Going, look at those two misfits. Well, uh, we are in a series, as many of you know, on baggage. Letting go of our baggage, giving God our baggage. And today we're going to talk about the baggage of addiction. I want to get started on a lighthearted note, so let's watch the screen. A scene from Despicable Me 2. your movie clip for the morning. I, I, I think I might have behaved like minions, the minions in that scene. Uh, a little bit of an ice cream addiction that I have. Uh, those ice cream trucks, though, don't you love the sound of their magical music? When that music comes on in the neighborhood, it's like the Pied Piper for kids. Still, I still picture all kinds of moments as a child when the ice cream truck would come into the neighborhood with its special music. Um, Think for a moment how innocently addictions can start when you think about it. When you think about it, no one ever says to themselves, hey, life is going so great that today I think I'm going to screw up my life royally. You know, I'm, I'm going to make some decisions that if I do, they could start the ball rolling in a very negative and bad direction. No one intentionally does that. Unintentionally, people do it all the time, don't they? I don't think anyone ever says, man, um, my teeth are too white and I smell too good, and so I'm going to start smoking, right? And if I'm lucky, I'll end my life by about 10 to 12 years because I'll die of lung cancer, right? Uh, I hope that happens to me. Nobody does that intentionally, but people do it unintentionally all the time. No one says to themselves, I think I want to get really fat. You know, I, I want to grow a few sizes, and I want to eat and eat and eat, and I want to get to the place where um, I'm actually you know, binging and then purging and binging and purging. Nobody says that, but many people do it. How about gambling? I don't know anybody that says, today I'm going to start playing blackjack, or as I like to call it, Texas holdup. And and I'm going to get so hooked, I'm going to start gambling all the time. I'm going to gamble online, 
And then I'm going to go to that fancy place down the hill, and I'm going to gamble there, and I'm going to lose all my money. And, and hopefully, if I'm lucky enough, I'll lose my retirement funds, and then I'll lose my, my kids' RESPs, and so they won't be able to go to school. And then, if I'm really lucky, my car will get repossessed, and this big guy named Guido will come and break my legs. Nobody plans to do it, yet this stuff kind of happens all the time. Or this. Life's going great today, so I think I'm going to drink my first beer. And if I'm really lucky, I'll get addicted and I'll lose my job. Or better yet, I can lose my family. Yay, beer. And I'm almost certain nobody goes on the computer and says, I wonder what wonderfully bad stuff I can find on here today. And if I click X, 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 oh, I'm just one click away to opening up a window to destruction. Yeah, I think I'm going to screw up my life royally today. And though no one plans to do it, thousands of people do that, open the door to very dangerous stuff every day and find themselves living with the baggage of addiction. So this morning, the first question we we have to ask ourselves is this. What has mastered you? What has mastered you? What is it at this moment so out of control in your life and is bigger than you are? 2 Peter 2.19 says, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. What are you a slave to? What is it that's bigger than you are? And if you're honest to say that, that yes, there, there is something, I've got incredible news for you. I promise you today that in, in the presence of a, a holy God, if you'll apply his word and you will submit to the, the power of the Holy Spirit, that the risen Jesus will set you free today. He who, is, he who Jesus has set free, Scripture says, he who the The Son has set free is free indeed. And today we're aiming at becoming absolutely free. Why don't we pause for a moment, but bow your heads with me. Let's pray. God, we we invite you to come this morning and uh, speak into those places of our lives where we would rather keep them off to the side and and ignored. We'd rather pretend that they're not issues. I pray today, Lord. You would speak to each one of us. But whatever has mastered us, whatever uh, we need to uh, deal with today, I pray you'd give us the strength and the grace to face it and overcome it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me ask you again, what has mastered you? Be really, really honest. It, it may not be something that is apparently dangerous, like caffeine. Uh, some of you are addicted to caffeine. If you... If you Uh, drank six cups of coffee just to get to church this morning, you probably are addicted to caffeine. Uh, Maybe it's smoking, cigarettes, or or pot. Uh, Maybe it's painkillers. It started off being helpful to get over some kind of an injury, but it has got its hooks in you now, and it has mastered you. Could be anything. Maybe it's your device, your tablet, or your smartphone. I mean, you can't go anywhere without checking messages or emails or texts and and, and you've got to have it all the time. You've got to be tracking with what's going on among all your friends. And, and, and that's a very common addiction today. Our, our kids are really struggling with this, but, but everyone is struggling with that, I think, in our day. Maybe you're addicted to work. You just work, and you work, and you work, and you work. Or it could be sports, or pornography, or masturbation, or shopping. A lot of people are in, our, in our day, in our, in our city, are addicted to shopping. They're, uh, they've got what you might call the gift of going into debt. Maybe it's overeating, 
or computer games, or maybe you're addicted to your appearance, your body. You're just so into your body. Um, in fact, uh, you go to the gym more than the people that actually work at the gym. You know that's a bit of an issue. And you start dreaming about yoga moves in your sleep. That's when you might know you have a problem. It uh, could be stuff to do with your past. Um, you know, generational stuff. You've got a temper. And one of your parents were, were maybe really angry, and, and you are now what you might call addicted to anger. Um, or you're incredibly critical or negative or you curse like crazy, or you're abusive. You, you look pretty normal, and everybody on the outside thinks you are, but, but you're abusive, maybe physically or emotionally. What has mastered you? Y- you might be tempted to say, hey, I can quit at any time. You know, or, or you might say, you know, I really don't have a problem with this. Friends, if, if anyone has tried to speak to you about this thing or told you you have a problem... You better unplug those ears and pay attention. I, I had a friend that I invited uh, to come this morning, and I was talking to him about this, this message on addiction. Uh, this is a person who ha- is in recovery from alcoholism. And, I sa- and he says, well, why would I want to come to a message on addiction? And I said, because I'll also be talking about denial. You know, that's what I'll be talking about. He says, oh, twist the knife in, Derwin, a little bit more. But what has mastered you? Look at what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians six twelve. He was speaking to a church full of people who had been mastered by sexual sin. And he said to them, he said, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. He says, everything is permissible for me, which, which he's talking about freedom that we have. God has given every person freedom. But he says, I will not be mastered by anything. I won't let any outside source besides Jesus be my master. I won't let anything else be bigger in my life than Jesus. Today's the day you get set free. Today's the day you take it to Jesus like never before and you let him do a healing work in your life. And, and we're going to look at, at three biblical principles that you can apply to your life so that God can do his work in you. The first thing we're going to do, we're going to ask this question of ourselves as we already have, what has mastered you? We're going to take it to God. Whatever it is, whatever the addiction or baggage is, we are taking it to our Heavenly Father. Romans 6:12 and following says Paul says therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey sin's evil desires but rather what do we do the bible says we offer ourselves to god we we give it completely to god scripture says for sin shall not be your master nothing besides jesus will be the master of my life for some of you that means that today you're going to have what you might call a popeye moment do you remember Popeye, the, the cartoon, and, and uh, whenever he ran up against his kind of arch enemy, what was his name? Brutus? Something like that? And, and it had to, had to do with his girlfriend, Olive Oil, getting picked on or whatever, and he would get to the place, place where he would say, I, I can't stand it no more. What, would we say that? Something like that? What would he say? That's all I can stand. I can't stand it no more. Right? That, thank you. Lori. I love it. She was ready. I had her on cue there. I was thinking about this, uh, this line, and, and I was thinking about a, a character in the New Testament. You know who had a Popeye moment in the New Testament? Some of you would remember the story of Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus was blind, and Jesus and the disciples and a crowd are, are walking along the street. They're leaving town, town of Jericho, 
And Bartimaeus is sitting beside uh, the roadside begging for a living. That's what blind men did in his day. And, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth who was walking by, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, now what happened to him? Yeah, I, I like this next line. It says that many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And I love this. It says, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I'd say Bartimaeus hears of a chance to get well, to to regain his sight. And he says, I'm not going to put up with this blindness anymore. He had a a Popeye moment. That's all I can stand. It it didn't matter that people were trying to to hush him. It didn't matter that people were in his way. It didn't matter that there was resistance at all. No excuses. He says he shouted all the more, Jesus, have mercy. Do you know what I hear a lot of these days? You know, it's come out of some of your mouths before. It is what it is. It's the, kind of the opposite of a, a Popeye moment. It is what it is. What is that? That's settling. When what we need is a, a Popeye moment, and some of you, the Spirit of God, is going to convict you to that point today. And you're going to say, you know what, I'm not living in blindness anymore. I'm not going to live in darkness anymore. I'm not living in in the fear of being caught. I'm not going to let somebody else control my body. I'm not going to be worried about what's going to happen to me. I'm I'm, I'm not going to be enslaved anymore. That's all I can stand. I'm going to take it to God. That's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. And then you're going to take it to God like you have never taken it to God before. I'm not talking about a meek little pre-supper prayer. You know, I'm not talking about some little sterile, bless me, Lord. I'm talking about raw, on-your-face, Bartimaeus-style, (laughs) carpet-sucking, crying, begging from the deepest part of your being. God, if you don't come through for me, I'm not going to get through this. God, I'm, I'm desperate. Take it away, God. Take it away, take it away, take it away. Today's the day you're going to take it to God and and He will meet you in a way you've never been met before. I believe that today. Now some of you, you look at your addiction and you say, God, it's too big. I can't beat it. It's way too big. Let me ask you this. What is bigger? Weed or God? Oxycontin or God? Your, your, Your shopping addiction or, or, or God. Internet porn or God. We're called to be like David. You know, you, you remember in the Old Testament, that little shepherd boy, all the other Israelites, all they could see was this big honking giant of a Goliath, right? And they were saying, he's too big. And David came to the point where he said, that's all I can stand. Who's this guy to come against the armies of the living God? My God is bigger and he will deliver us. Scripture says it this way in 2 Corinthians 10.4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons we fight with, they are not the weapons of the world. Paul says they have divine power. Some of you know this. The Greek word for power there is the word dunamis. We get the English word dynamite from that. We have access to this explosive, miraculous power of God to demolish all strongholds. What has mastered you today? The first thing we're going to do today is, is with everything that is in us, we're going to take it to God. We're going to do that. The second thing might actually be harder. We're also going to take it public. That's right, we're going to confess it publicly. James 5, 16 teaches us not only do we confess our sins to God, but we also confess our sins to who? To each other. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We confess and we pray so that we can be free and healed, and that's what we're going to do. Now, now the problem is, is that so many people are afraid of what others think or say, and, and you have to get over that. Um, I like the story of three pastors on a fishing trip. This is a, a famous story. you probably heard it. One guy says, here's an opportunity for us to be really frank and honest with each other about life. And, and one pastor said, all right, pray for me, guys. I've been, been looking at stuff on my computer I shouldn't be looking at. And the other two pastors are like, oh, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, we'll, we'll pray for you. And uh, the second pastor goes, well, since you're so honest, I, I've got to tell you, I've gotten into some gambling. I mean, I don't, I don't get paid a lot, and I've, I've dug myself into a pretty, pretty deep hole. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll pray for you. The third guy goes, well, since you guys are, are being real about your issues, I'll, I'll tell you mine. My big problem is I'm addicted to gossip, and I can't wait to get back into town. So many of us, I think, are afraid of getting that response. <laughs> what, what are people going to think? You, you, you've got to face that fear because you will not be completely free until you take it public. That, that means taking it to your, your home group. Uh, you go public. Why does, why does AA work? Because that's what they do every time when they gather together. They're reminded every time they meet. Uh, I, they, they, they stand up there and they say, Hi, my name is fill in the blank. I'm an alcoholic. You own up to it, a, a group of people that you've actually got a problem. You're confessing. They're practicing a, a real biblical command there. By the way, this is what biblical community is all about. Getting to the place where we are safe enough. Well, that's what we're aiming for as, as this church, folks, is we want to get to the place where we actually can be real enough with each other. We can say, I'm really struggling with X." Y, and Z, and it's really bad, and it's out of control in my life, and it's bigger than I am. Confessing our sins to one another. We take it public, and we let do God do his work. Let me tell you just how God worked in my life to do this. Um, I was 20 years old, and uh, I was really wanting in my heart to be sexually pure. I, I told you a little bit about that last time. But uh, it seemed no matter what, I'd find myself tempted and failing, tempted and failing again and again and again. Didn't matter, didn't seem to matter what I prayed about at 8 a.m. in the morning, how, how much I begged God to deal with that in my life. By 10 p.m. that night, there I was struggling and failing again. And it was during this season of intense struggle that, that I had a Christian friend who, who he came to me and he said, and I'll never forget this conversation, he began to, began to tell me about his struggles with sexual sin. 
And I'm like, surprise, surprise, I'm not alone in this. And, and in that second, in that moment, it was, uh, it was a me too moment where I was freed in that place to say, me too. I'm struggling with that too. Or I'm struggling with fill in the blank. I, I was able to actually go on and, and tell him my struggles. And, and uh, as I've shared many times before, we began to, to connect around that and talk and, and gather. And in fact, we, about four or five of us began meeting regularly. And that became, in the early days, was a, a major part of our conversations. It was, it was that area. And I tell you, I still struggle with sexual temptation today. Uh, last night when we were at the beach in, in downtown, my wife had to say a couple of times, avert your eyes, Derwin, avert your eyes. It's summer in the city. But it was through those group of guys, as we were honest and real with one another, that the back of that thing, the addictive power of, of sexual temptation was broken in my life. And I've never faced it again quite like I did back then because I, was, I confessed. And, and actually, there's power even this morning of me confessing that to you, right even here and now. As we learn to do that, as we learn to speak our junk and confess it, with the desire to get healed, Scripture says you will be healed. Now, you may be thinking that uh, I can handle this on my own. Well, why haven't you so far? Um, it's time to take it public. When, when you do, you're going to ask for help, and you're going to ask for help in three different ways. You're going to ask that help in, in the whole area of prayer. Will you pray for me? Please pray for me. You're going to also say, help me when I fail. Because chances are you might, might fall and you need someone to pick you up and encourage you. And, and thirdly, you're going to also say, help me with, accountable, be, with accountability. Hold me accountable. That's why you're going to talk to your home group or, or your Connect Six group or you're going to, 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 to speak to a Christian friend or accountability partner. Um, pastor, I know I, I, I like the story he told of one of their men's groups. And uh, it was about a group of young guys who uh, were, weren't married and they were struggling with a certain sexual sin in their lives. And they said, you know what? We want to be free of this. And, and these guys all had good jobs. And they said, every time we commit this particular sin, we commit to giving $100 to the church building fund. Their pastor says, this is what it, to quote him, he says, the neat thing for me is that they almost single-handedly paid for the church building. <laughs> he says, the great thing for them is they're free. They're free. They've overcome that which has mastered them. Help me. It's a great, great thing to say to someone. Then let me just say this to those of you who are going to hear a confession. Maybe your spouse comes to you and says, I'm, I'm addicted to this. And, and you've known about it for a long, long time, and it's no surprise. And you're going to say, finally. But it could be that somebody comes to you and confesses something, and, and you're going to go, say what? No, no way. I can't believe that. And there might be a temptation to, to take it personally or to be offended or to be hurt or angry. Let, let me encourage you just with, with all of the love of Jesus that you can stir up from, from within yourself. If you're receiving a confession, receive it with grace. Don't be shocked. Don't be angry. Don't take it personally. Understand that, that your response to the, per, to the person confessing is critical to their healing. Let, love them, hold them, cry for them, pray for them. You know, realize that when they, when they, what they confess to you, it's really them telling you that they really, really want to be free. So we're going to take it to God. We're, we're going to take it public. And then look what Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 12. God says, for my grace is sufficient for you. 
Receive it with grace. For, for my dunamis, my, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. Paul says, I boast about my weakness. I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm pathetically weak. And, and, and he, he goes public with it. He, I boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ might rest on me. Today's your day to get free. Today's the day. And, and, and you're going to take it to God and you're going to take it public. And the lastly, you're going to do, the last thing you're going to do is you're going to take it down. You're going to take it down. Take it out. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave. Paul, Paul said, You see, I, I've beaten my, my body. I've made it my slave. I'm not a slave to anything else. My body is now my slave. And how do you do that? Well, instead of being enslaved by your body, how do you master it? How do you, how do you take it down? Here's what you've got to do. Here's what you're going to do. You're absolutely today going to do whatever you can do to take it down. You're going to do what you can do, and you're, con- you're going to trust God to do what only he can do. It's that simple. You're going to do what you can do, and you are going to trust God to do what you can't do. So if you are addicted to alcohol... You're going to go home today, and you're going to pour it down the drain. That's what you can do. And, and three days from now, when you think you're going to die, God will do what only he can do. God, God's going to come through for you, and no matter what, what you, you, you know, and, you, and do what you cannot do. If it's cigarettes today, uh, you're going to throw them out in the garbage on your way out of church today. And you're not going to drive by a convenience store. You're going to drive straight home. And that's what you can do. If it's internet porn, you're going to shut the door to that which has held you captive. I, I know a guy in this church who, who got so enslaved by pornography that, that he actually doesn't have a computer anymore. He, he actually got rid of his computer, and, and he actually only uses the internet in public locations, like the library. And that's been so helpful. He's like, I don't miss the computer in my home because I was a slave there. I'd rather go to the library where I'm free. And I know there's those of you that, that need to be that drastic with what you do. You need to actually alter your lifestyle entirely so that you can live in freedom. And you've got to believe that the freedom is worth it as compared to being a slave. Uh, for our family, we actually have uh, a, a little piece of software. Actually, it's not software. It's just a, uh, an online thing, OpenDNS, and it filters all of our internet so that we can't actually access pornography on our home computer network. You come and into our Wi-Fi, you won't be able to see the things that you might be able to see outside. It's been a good thing for our family. And there's all kinds of accountability tools online, Triple X Church and, and Covenant Eyes, and it's worth spending a, a monthly fee or, or there's free services as well that can help you be accountable in those areas. But you do what you can do. You slam the door shut on whatever it is. If you've got wrong friends leading you into the wrong stuff, you say goodbye to those friends. I've got a, a drug-addicted friend who told me just recently, he says, Derwin, I've got your number in my cell phone, but I also have this guy's number as well. And, and funny enough, he says, ironically, it's just a couple numbers off your number. It's like I, it's a reminder. Every time I call this other number, it reminds me of you. But this other number, number is his drug dealer. And I'm like, why do you still have that number on your phone? You delete that contact. You shut the door to that. You've got to delete it. You don't leave any forwarding address for sin to find you out. It's all I can stand. I can't stand it no more. I won't be in bondage to something. 
I won't let anything other than Jesus master me. What is bigger? Those things or, or God? Who are you to come against the power of my God? Take it down. Take it down today. Before we conclude in prayer, I want to invite Chris Stoner to come on up. Come on up, Chris. Uh, he's been part of our congregation for a couple of years, and he's got a remarkable story of how God has set him free. Everyone say hi, Chris. Good morning, Hillside. So my name's Chris, and uh, I know some of you, and some of you know me, but I can assure you you'll all know a lot more about me after this. In uh, 2004, I was in a car accident up at Stave Lake that the girl that I was with at the time was killed. Her name was Virginia. And uh, the car, the truck went over an, an embankment, a 60-foot embankment, rolled numerous times. And when everything was settled, it was pitch black. And I uh, couldn't see a thing and calling out for her and had no response. And when I was crawling up the hill, because it was too steep to even stand up, I, uh, I crawled over her body. That's how I found out that she was dead. So after the accident and I went to the doctors and I had muscle tissue damage and nothing broken, no, no lacerations or anything, but they gave me pills, uh, Tylenol 3s. And I realized that if you take four of those, you could go to sleep and not even dream or have any nightmares or anything. So I would take probably around 16 or 20 of those a day. And after a while, after the doctor kind of realized what I was doing, he cut me off of those Tylenol 3s. So I had to find other means to sleep at night and to just shut everything out of my life that was really, really traumatic for me. So I became a, I, I started using heroin. And uh, I became a heroin addict for probably over, over three years. And I uh, ended up Due to that drug, uh, I ended up in jail. And in jail, on the wall, uh, was a piece of paper that said, Res Resurrection House, Hope for Freedom. Scott, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Scott's, uh, I think it's your uncle that runs that? Yeah. Great place. Saves a lot of lives. And uh, so... The judge released me to that program, and when I was uh, there a couple days, the only place you're allowed to leave the house to go to at the beginning is to NA meetings and church, and I hadn't been to church for a long, long time. So I said, okay, you know, church, let's go. So that Sunday... I went to Coquitlam Alliance Church, and when I walked into that church, I had this incredible feeling, like a, like, a, like a hand on the back of my back, and a warm, fuzzy feeling, and a voice, Jesus said to me in my, in my head, he said, you're going to like it here, you need to be here, and I just couldn't, I, I 
to this day, I can't believe that that happened to me, but it did. And uh, so ever since then, I, uh, I was baptized there. And uh, I, I, go, I don't go to meetings as much as I, as I used to, but I feel that my meetings are here with all of you people here at this church, this congregation. So, uh, but I still do do step work. And the step work is, the first step is admitting that you're powerless over your addiction and that it has, uh, it's taken over your life and you have no control over your life. Second step is to admit that there's a higher power. And the third step is to realize that that higher power can help you in your addiction. So I came up with an acronym for the, for the th- first three steps. The first one is I can't. Second one is he can. And the third one is I think I'll let him. And so uh, I uh, have an incredible relationship with Jesus today. I talk to him all the time. Like I pray, but I also talk to him as a friend like he's my dinner guest. I talk to him constantly. Sometimes I find myself walking down the street talking to him, and people may st- think I'm schizophrenic, but I'm, but I'm not. I'm actually talking to Jesus. But, uh, or if I am schizophrenic, I probably wouldn't even know. But, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, that's, uh, that's my story, and I'm here today because of Jesus, and I, and I, could, not have, I could not have overcome that addiction without him. And, uh, and I thank the Lord for my life back And that's my story. Thank you very much. Did you catch that? I can't. He can. I think I'll let him. What about you this morning? Today's the day you can be set free. He who, has, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. Again, who's bigger? Your addiction or God? Let me ask you, have you hit the moment yet? Have you got to that place of absolute discontent with, with living with that thing anymore? You know, that's all I can stand. I can't stand it no more. Are you at that place yet where you're ready to chuck in the towel on that thing? I'm done with that. Let me me, uh, remind you of Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We can. Whatever is mastering you, God is bigger than that. That that which is mastering you is something that God can help you master. Today's your day. You're not going to be mastered by anything. You're going to be a slave to Jesus. So take it to God. Take it public. And take it down. Because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Um, why don't you bow your heads with me? I'm going to invite the team to come forward, but why don't you, let, we're going to take some time and we're going to pray and uh, let this be your time right now this morning. So just close your eyes. And by the power of the risen Christ, we're going to take it down together. God, we ask that in your awesome and holy presence, you would do this morning what only you can do. Folks, this is a moment of truth for you. This is your moment to decide what has mastered you. Are you going to be honest? Are you ready to be free? I mean, I could give you an easy ticket out and say, hey, if there's something that's mastered you, would you raise your hand and we would just pray for you and go on? But I'm not going to make it that easy for you today. What I'm going to ask you to do is is the three things we talked about. 
I'm going to ask you to acknowledge that you're addicted to something or that there is a stronghold, something in your life that should not be there. Then I'm going to challenge you to take it public. And, and I don't want you to raise your hand unless you're ready to be a man or woman and take it public and say, I need help. You're going to take it to your home group. If you're not in a home group, you're going to take it to a Christian friend. If you're married, you're going to take it to your spouse. You're going to take it to your accountability partner. If you don't have one, you're going to get one. We're taking it public. And then, and then you're going to look back on this day and you're going to say, this is the day where God took it down. It is your choice. For those of you who are ready, it's your time. He who the Son has set free indeed, it's time to find freedom. If something has mastered you, it's not of God and shouldn't be there. Today you're seeking God. You're taking it public and he's going to deliver you. That's your prayer this morning. You're ready to be free. Lift up your hands right now. Just be bold and be honest about that. I see those hands, folks. Good for you. So proud of you for being that brave. Feel free to just raise your hand if you like to. Praise God for your honesty. And Father, I pray for every person. I pray this would be a holy moment that, that by faith like never before, with every ounce of strength, and and belief in our body, we take it to you. God, I ask that there would be people who would not be able to leave this building today without kneeling wherever they are, making wherever they are an altar, and laying down that which has mastered them. They'd give it to you. We're weak, God. We really are unbelievably weak, but we can't do it. Uh, We're incapable, Lord. We're helpless. We don't have the strength, God. And and now we thank you that the power of Christ is strong in us. God, we commit to do whatever we can do. We're going to do our part, and we trust you to do what we can't do ourselves. And God, we thank you in advance for the freedom that you are going to give us. We pray you would do that this morning. Now, by faith, I declare that you are set free that the risen Lord Jesus Christ has set you free, that you're no longer in bondage, that, that you're free to live only for Jesus. There is no material, no substance, no power, no thought that holds you captive. That what the enemy has meant for evil, God will now use for good. That no weapon formed against you will prosper. By faith in the all-powerful risen one, You are now free. We declare and hold on to these truths, these promises from you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.